Hello and welcome to another episode of the Super Top Podcast. I'm Oshin, recording from Dublin. And I'm Podrick, recording from Vancouver. This episode is brought to you by Drink Control and Finish Your Damn Side Project. We'll tell you more about those later. Okay, so we have some follow-up on things we've talked about on previous episodes. Yeah, so first of all here we have Micro.blog, micro Manton Reese's Kickstarter campaign. We had mentioned last time that he had gone past his initial goal of 10,000 and at that stage he hadn't introduced a stretch goal yet, but he had still already gotten up to like 40,000 without the stretch goal. And very soon after, I think before we even actually released the episode, he introduced his stretch goal, which was set at $80,000 and he would use the extra money to hire a part-time community manager, which seems like a great idea for a stretch goal to me. Yeah, definitely. I think it's really smart too to have a high stretch goal once you've already hit your target. Like even if you don't hit it, maybe you get 60,000 instead of the 80,000. Still pretty good. I think it's very interesting even in, just in terms of like what the priorities of the project are and how it's going to play out like over time. I mean, obviously it's only been him for now and then like what's the first who's the first other person that's going to be on board? It will hopefully be this part-time community manager if he reaches the target so obviously that sort of stuff is very important to him um and i guess that's been part of the some of the complaints issued against facebook and twitter for example that maybe they haven't paid enough attention to some of these things as they've gotten bigger and bigger over the years so definitely interesting that once micro.blog reaches being two people one of those people will be a community manager yeah no it's pretty cool i'm excited to see where it goes and he's getting super close to it as well i think last time i checked he was up to sixty-five thousand. Hmm. how many days are left it's getting close now five days to go he's at sixty-six thousand, so he's like fourteen thousand to go yeah i could see him making it for sure now it looks to me like it will happen but obviously don't count your chickens is, is that that's the right phrase right uh yeah so anybody's interested in the future of indie microblogging i uh, recommend heading on over to kickstarter and supporting manton on that what do you think we don't see more kickstarters for apps i think a big part of it comes down to like the economics of like how apps are sold or especially like with the app store like it's just hard to like to have enough like high targets and high goals like for say a five dollar app or whatever it's kind of a shame because kickstarter has been such an interesting force in the last i don't know five years of new products getting made particularly indie ones or things that wouldn't have got made because they're riskier projects we've talked a bit more this week about how like would we ever do a kickstarter for something we were working on yeah i think we mentioned a little bit last time and then yeah we've definitely gone even a little bit deeper into our our kickstarter dreams (laughs) yeah and we're not gonna (laughs) we're not gonna share what the specific idea would be yet no we're gonna be mysterious but it's, it's pretty interesting to use a Kickstarter as a way to validate an idea. I prefer when a Kickstarter is, like, if it gets funded, it's definitely going to happen. And if it doesn't, it's not going to happen anyway. So it's that, that's what makes me want to donate or back it or whatever the word is. Yeah, but, and then, but on the other hand as well, it's like if, it, like, if it's so early in the project that it's still at, like, a, like a validation stage, I guess that kind of makes it harder to, like, have a like a really cool video or really convince people that you're like deadly serious about it yeah maybe i shouldn't have said deadly serious or at least i should qualify that in ireland deadly has a different connotation what connotation is that deadly is great i don't think it's the same everywhere 
<laughs> we are deadly serious about raising some money so we can work on some software. <laughs> Uh, so I think there's like a fine balancing act there where like you want to see that the person like is committed enough uh, but you also don't want to feel like oh they just have it done anyhow and this is just publicity or like pre-sales or whatever you want to feel like you're invested into something and particularly for a software thing on one hand if it's like 70% done I'm, there's more chance of your schedule being a real thing um, but yeah as you said if you're that close, then it's not as believable that you really need the Kickstarter. So anyway, yeah, we can keep thinking about it, I guess. Yeah, another thing I wanted to follow up on a bit was I mentioned in the episode just after Christmas that I had gotten the the AirPods and I went into like some of the some of the small issues that I was having with them at the time, but I was mostly still thought they were like magical. I mean, I still like them. I'm not going to go back to wired uh, AirPods, I don't think, but they just seem to be getting less and less reliable for me. Do you think they're getting worse or you're noticing the problems? Like that I feel like they're getting worse, but I can't come up with an explanation for like why they would get worse over time. I mean, one thing is I guess I've had a chance to like have a lot more phone calls since then and every time I'm on the phone like they like the audio drops out with like at least every 10 minutes. Like we've had calls where I just had to be like, "Okay, no, I'm going to go find some other way to connect because it just gets way too annoying when you're dro- dropping the audio that much." I'm, I mean, I think this, like some of these issues are probably things that people have complained about with Bluetooth headphones all the time. I never really used Bluetooth before. I guess my expectation with the AirPods was that all of the hassles of, of Bluetooth were going to have like magically be solved. But obviously lots, lots of it is right, but some of them are still there. Yeah, well, that is the pitch, I think, that like you should buy these very expensive Bluetooth headphones because they're a lot better than normal Bluetooth headphones, right? Like Apple has their own chips in there. So they, I think the pitch is that they've solved those problems. So Yeah, but, well, and yeah, a big part of that pitch, I think, is like down to like the extra sensors that are in them in terms of like detecting when they're in your ear and when they come out. And I'm just finding that less and less reliable as, as well. Um, sometimes like the, I don't even have the AirPods in, but the, my phone is still connected to them. And if I start playing audio, it'll come out of the... AirPods. So like the thing that's supposed to detect, oh, they're not in the ear anymore, I'm going to disconnect, just isn't isn't realizing that. Or, say, or in a similar manner, I'll put them in when they won't like automatically connect. It's like I'll end up like going through the UI and fiddling around. We had a weird situation the other day when we were on FaceTime, remember? <laughs> oh, yeah. I think, I'm not sure what you were doing or what was happening, but downstairs in the house you're in, someone has a jam box, I guess. Yeah. And every, maybe twice during the call, my voice got routed through your phone to their jam box, because I guess your phone connected to the jam box. And then I was talking to a living room full of people about like app designer bugs or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they turned it on to try and put on some music, but my phone was like, oh, there's a new Bluetooth device, better connect to that. And yeah. Yeah, God, that stuff is so horrible. You got to have a little bit of a chat with Baz anyhow in the time that it took me to figure out why I wasn't talking to anyone anymore. Did you see in 10.3 the Find My AirPods is coming? Yeah, I just noticed that Fatichi had uh, tweeted about it earlier on. Um, I'm looking forward to that. I often, like, I usually go to sleep with at least one AirPod in to, like, have podcasts or some music on as I'm falling asleep. Um and then they just end up like under pillows or like down behind the bed and um, 
like I spend like a couple of minutes each morning, like making sure that I have both AirPods back in their case. So, so, so will it play a sound? Yeah, you can you you can get to it really quickly even just by like three D touching on the like find my well the app I think is still called Find My iPhone even though it finds all sorts of things now but you can three D touch on that and then AirPods are there you tap on it and it plays a sound out of the AirPods so that's pretty cool. Okay, so it's faster than like opening up music and just playing something really loud. Well, the thing is, you're like the the idea is that once the AirPod comes out of your ear in the middle of the night, like your your phone won't actually be connected to it anymore. So, um, and I think it wouldn't even usually even just show up in the menu until you like. So this is like a new way to to find them. Right. Okay. Well, that makes sense. Um. So we had this interesting idea that uh, it would be kind of cool if we could get some listeners to send in, like, record the audio of you asking a question or giving us an idea or giving us some feedback and send them to us. And then we can play them on the show and discuss them. Yeah, I think it'd be fun. Like, Let's try it once anyway and see if it's weird. Well, let's see if we get some responses as well. <laughs> yeah, well, this is your big chance to like get on our podcast. Yeah, no, we would love to hear like some ideas from you about just things that you would like us to discuss more or your point of view on something that's going on in the indie software world and like we can follow up and discuss it. Um or questions that you have uh, about Supertop and any of the things that we've talked about here. So, um and in audio form. So, and it doesn't have to be like amazing quality or anything, just like use the voice memos on your phone or QuickTime on your Mac to yeah record your little piece and yeah email it into us at support at supertop.co um and yeah we hope to hear from you and include some of those on on future episodes it is a little bit scary asking for things publicly <laughs> um yeah it's like you're just setting yourself up in a way like, which comes i guess i think that was in my mind even just from thinking about kickstarter like like that's the big thing i think about like putting yourself out there with a kickstarter is to say like hey i need this much and then it's like very clear to everybody whether you end up getting there or not yeah actually that makes me think like with the kickstarter i would want to be doing something that we'd put it out there it would get funded or not but if it didn't get funded, it wouldn't mean the end of Supertop. Like, it would just be, okay, we're not going to do that, but we're going to do something else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's one way to kind of, I don't know, that's how I feel better about that embarrassment. <laughs> but yeah, even like the podcast advertising, when we, we wrote a blog post looking for advertisers a few days ago, um, and we we managed to get some for this podcast, so that's great. But then it's super embarrassing if you just tweet that, and then no one replies and nothing happens, and then an episode comes out with no ads. Well, that's not going to happen this time, at least. Nope. So so send in some audio. Don't make us feel bad. <laughs> um, and on that note, this episode is sponsored by Drink Control. So New Year's resolutions for many people last until about the 10th of January. That's pretty much when people give up. How's your New Year's resolutions going, actually? We talked about that a little bit before. Have you... Yeah, I said I was going to join a political party. I have not done that. Oh, dude. Have you started running? No. <laughs> uh, I, I did start learning Swift, but sometimes you need a little bit of an extra push to like jump on these resolutions and keep them going. So one of the New Year's resolutions many people take on is to moderate their alcohol intake. So if that's something you're trying to do in 2017, try out Drink Control app to help that New Year's resolution stick better. It's never too late to start understanding your alcohol consumption better. 
Drink control tracks and converts your alcohol intake quantities, such as glasses, bottles or cans, into standard units of alcohol and lets you know when you're going over the limits set by moderate drinking guidelines, um, as well as how much you have spent on drinks and consumed alcohol calories. Um, through its UI, you can browse and manage drinks in the calendar, monitor calories of alcohol content, uh, view statistics and charts. And all this just really helps you to track your alcohol intake and control your spending as well. If you'd like to try out the app, you can go to drinkcontrolapp.com or just search drink control in the app store Um and yeah, definitely recommend checking that out. Thanks for sponsoring. Yeah, thanks again to Drink Control App for supporting the Super Top podcast and give that a look. So Apple have made some interesting announcements about App Store reviews and ratings. Yeah, yeah. It's um yeah, so the first one I guess that we can talk about is that they're going to allow developers to respond to uh reviews that their users have left on the App Store. Um so just to like be a hundred percent clear about this, um, there have been reviews on the App Store for how long? Nine years, ten years? Uh, yeah, since I think as long as apps have been out. But there's never been a way for developers to respond publicly or even privately to the reviews. We don't have like any of the details about um, like contact details for the person. So often things end up in the reviews that people are looking for support or people are complaining about a feature that isn't there that actually is there where it would be helpful to like be able to sort that kind of stuff out so we're going to be able to do that as once ios 10.3 is released whenever that happens i guess a month or two maybe yeah and this is something that's been on like every top 10 list of what apple needs to do to fix the app store has had an entry like this like make it so that we can respond to app store reviews yeah i remember when uh, like google introduced that feature for android i'm not sure when it was but i remember being quite jealous at the time <laughs> yeah so they've had it for a while so that, that'll be interesting as a comparison i think it's going to be interesting like for us and for i guess every indie developer out there to like think about like how like how to how to handle this best um I mean, well, like the most basic thing, I guess, is you don't want to be, start getting into like flame wars or something. Yeah, like, and I wonder, will it be threaded or like, how is it going to look? My understanding is that it's, there's only one response. So there's a, a review can be left and then the developer can respond once. And then the only, like anything after that is the user can edit their review and the developer can edit their response. But there's not, not like a conversation, an ongoing conversation. Okay, that's that's pretty interesting. Do other sites do that? Do like I think that that's how Google's one works as well as far as I know. Okay. Or even like TripAdvisor and think I think I think that's kind of the I think that's the only way that I've seen it done on reviews that there's like one one response but like it doesn't like turn into like a big conversation. I I think that that pattern is probably designed to try to make it more about like like reviews and responses rather than like a big support chain as in like talking back and forth about a problem or getting into like argue like long arguments or something like that yeah so there was there was a tweet actually from someone who works at apple um i'll link it in the show notes it said developers i wish apple would give us a way to respond to app reviews apple okay developers using app reviews for support will suck <laughs> 
And yeah, I mean, one one step in the middle of that should be ten years pass, like <laughs> between Apple saying okay and doing it. But anyway, I'll leave that aside. But I think those are both consistent things. Like I think I am glad we'll be able to respond to respond to app reviews. Um, it's a good thing, and it is going to suck if we do support through there. So that's cool. I didn't realize that there was just a single response that's or that that was public yet. That's neat. Yeah, and I mean, I think the, I mean, the way to like not do support in there, I think, is going to be for us to basically like if a review is written in a way that is essentially a support request. I mean, I guess our answer to that is like contacts. Please contact support. Yeah, we can figure out a good policy for it. I, like, if someone is asking, "Can you do? Is there a sleep timer in this app?" That's kind of a support thing. But and I, I think I'd just be happy enough to say, like, tell them yes and say where it is. Or if they're asking, do you have a watch app yet? That we can just be like, no, there's no watch app. But if it's like, I have a bug when I played this episode, this happens, then we have to just direct them to email. Yeah, yeah. Because there won't be like links or attachments so or images. And you often need screenshots and logs and all that kind of stuff to do support. Yeah. I mean, I think a big part, I think, of this is going to be, yeah, yeah number one, that you can reach out to like one individual person. Um, but number two is that it's public and... Like, I think this will shape the perception of, like, like if a new customer, a new potential customer comes to the App Store um, and decides that the reviews might be a place where they are going to make up their mind whether to buy the app or not, um, the way that the developer responds or doesn't to these things is going to be important. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And so, like, if it is about features or stuff like that, that's it's even like I guess one extra spot where you can highlight a particular feature um, that somebody might not have noticed somewhere else. We, because we've had no way to answer the reviews and no way to get like a false one removed. I think I've started seeing App Store reviews as like this wholly negative thing that it's always like it's like an alleyway with broken windows and graffiti everywhere. And now all of a sudden we're going to tidy it up. So. Like, I still feel like there's a cynical or like a negative perception around App Store reviews. So we'll, I guess we'll see if it makes a difference. Like, do you, if you're looking for a new app, do you read the reviews? Not really, no. Yeah. Maybe it can help. I mean, I guess, like, maybe it can even, I mean, I do look at the star rating. I mean, maybe it would take like a lot of responding to reviews for this to end up affecting like the negative star rating. But I can imagine at least some situations where there's a, negative or like three or four star review um that you can respond to and the person will change their review afterwards or like change their star rating afterwards it's probably not a very scalable um solution there to like how to how to get a five star rating on the app store but at least those ones where someone gives you a glowing review but then leaves one star because the ui was bad at least you can be like thanks can you actually change it to five stars now yeah that's true <laughs> you know the very first thing i thought of when i saw the tweets mentioning this was uh like oh we could repurpose tokens um our <laughs> we have an app that does some itunes connect stuff so we already know how to get into itunes connect and talk to the json api there so we could make an app that lets you reply to all your reviews from all the different countries but then yeah i don't know i think we have to stay focused on what we're doing <laughs> yeah we probably don't need another project right now but that, yeah, because that, that was one of the complaints that was on like uh, on Twitter as well, right? That like it's going to be an iTunes Connect, but and yeah, okay, iTunes Connect isn't that much fun, but iTunes itself is worse, and that's the only other place you could be. So 
That's true. <laughs> and like this way, hopefully you'll be able to reply to every country's reviews without having to like, here's what keeps happening to me when I want to look at Castro's charts or like our reviews of our podcast is I go and change my app store country to the U S it signs me out of Apple music. And then I have to sign back in and go through a whole load of steps before I can play music again. So it'll be nice if I don't have to do that. Yeah, that happens to me too. So you said that you thought like maybe we should like really embrace it at the start and then see how it goes on. My my first instinct had been, well, let's just focus on negative reviews and see if there's anything we can do about them. But do you think we should also be responding to like four and five star reviews as well? Yeah, I guess depending on the review, but yeah, it'd be nice to even just... Okay, if the idea is to show future customers that you are like the app is alive you are paying attention to reviews then it might be nice to answer the good ones too or if like from a marketing point of view if someone says cool carplay thanks um we can then go into a bit more detail about why we think like why we think carplay is good i don't know maybe that'll be cheesy we'd have to write it out and see if it's okay but yeah it might it might be nice to use it as a way to expand on some points that they raise or to um, help them find new features one challenge about like if people mention future features or stuff like that is like we've tended to try not to comment on future features. A lot of times I have found myself just even archiving the support emails rather than, I don't know, send them back an email that says we don't comment on future features sounds like so corporate or something. Or maybe there's a nicer way I could say that. If there was a review in the app store that was just all about future features, like, would we end up writing stuff like that? Or we, I, we probably would want a friendlier tone than we don't comment on future features. Or There's a difference between someone asking if you have it yet or not. Like, Castro 2 doesn't have chapter markers. And if someone is asking straight up, do we have it, so that they can make a decision whether to buy it, then I think we should answer that. Yeah, if it's the other case where they're asking for us to add it, or there's the like blackmail thing of like, oh, this is a five-star app, but I'm holding back one star because I want a pony. That kind of aggressive stuff, I think I would still want to ignore. I'm not answering your question, really. <laughs> Maybe we should just respond to every review with like a squid emoji. <laughs> <laughs> we could we could rate the reviews. Just reply to each one. <laughs> one star review. <laughs> yeah. Four star review. We'll give you one more star if you correct your spelling. <laughs> This new trend from Apple where like the App Store is starting to get some of these features and it seems like it's getting some attention is really welcome anyway. So that's that's a cool thing. Yeah, it's been it's been happening. It's been happening for the past while, bit by bit. It's it's going in the right direction, I think. Yeah, totally. Um so there's another thing connected to this where there's a standard way for an app to ask for a review, which is a really nice thing. I'm glad they've added this too. Before, we had to direct users to the App Store, and then they'd have to navigate to the rating page, possibly sign into their Apple account again, and then they'd be able to rate it or write a review. Um, now, there's going to be a standard dialog box that iOS controls. So you just say, please do a review now. And from that dialog box, people will be able to give it stars directly with one tap. So they don't have to sign in or go to a different app or open up a new web page or anything like that. So it'll be much easier to get ratings. Reviews will obviously still be another step because you'll have to tap a button and go and type the review. But ratings will be much easier. I haven't seen a screen... I've, I've seen a screenshot of the... So that dialogue that asks you to like tap how many stars you want to enter. Mm -hmm. um, 
I presume once you do that, maybe the next screen is then like there's a text field or something where you could type a review or that part of it isn't clear to me yet. Have you? Yeah, maybe it does just jump you to Safari then. We should have a look. And then there are just a few limitations on it too. You can only ask for... Okay, let me see if I get this right. I'm going to say what I think and you can correct me because I think you know better. <laughs> Go ahead. You can only ask three times per year for that dialogue to be displayed. So it might not actually be displayed when you request it, depending on how many times you've asked before. Well, I guess one important clarification there is it's not that you can only ask, or it's not that you should even worry about how often you're asking. You should just ask every time that you think is like on this screen, maybe is a good place to ask, or when a user does this thing, now is a suitable time to ask. Uh, Like the developers, I don't think are not the ones who should be holding themselves back from asking. It's that this system is going to take charge of that. Yeah. You call on to this uh, uh, review request as often as you want, but Apple are going to control like when it gets shown or not. But wouldn't you... Well, okay, so one point there is having a button in settings for rate this app isn't really something you can do anymore because no dialogue might show up. Like if, if the system decides not to show it because it's already shown it three times, nothing will happen. So they explicitly recommend not doing that. No, but they have introduced a new URL that is even better than the old one. So I think in a situation like that, what you're, you're supposed to use this new URL, which jumps to the App Store instead. You're just looking at the App Store page then? No, you're looking at the like writer review screen is already like full screen on your phone. You can you have to put it put in your password and start typing. But if you if your app just asks whenever it thinks is a good time, aren't you going to use up your three reviews quite quickly? Because it doesn't seem like they reset each app version anymore. No, but I don't think it's going to like show it the first three times that you ask. I think it's going to like track that. It's like that user already said no. Like I'm not going to ask. I'm not going to show this thing again straight away. Oh, so you think there'll be some heuristic in there? So if, like, say we asked every time someone finished listening to a podcast, it wouldn't be the next three podcasts you finish. That's my intuition on it, anyhow. But I realize now that obviously we both were thinking of it in different directions, and I'm not a hundred percent certain. But that was my understanding. It'll be interesting to see what way it does actually go. Yeah, yeah, there's a little bit of uncertainty. They're obviously trying to protect the situation where like you're just constantly badgered to review an app and every new version you have to review it again. I hope that they also make some changes in the App Store because it seems like uh, the way all of your ratings get reset each version could be a problem. Yeah, totally. <laughs> like We'll release more than three versions a year, definitely. Um, even if we just had three big feature releases per year, we'd have like at least another three smaller bug fix releases. And if each of those was going to reset our rating and we wouldn't be able to ask someone to rate us again, that's kind of bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I guess they can still go through the other link. So it's not cutting off any of the stuff we had before. I think what this is doing right now is really replacing and like solving for the solution where people have been rolling their own custom like alerts of like, hey, you've been using this app for a while. Do you want to think about reviewing it? And they definitely, I think, don't want people doing that by themselves anymore. Yeah. The documentation explicitly says, like, you can still, like, have a button in settings or wherever you want to put it. And they have added that new URL that, like, makes those even more effective than they used to be. Or that removes an extra step or two for the user when they do do those things. 
John Gruber had some comments on Darren Fireball after asking somebody at Apple a few more questions about it. And the language there was that like they do over time, like see this becoming like the only allowed way to quote unquote prompt a user for a review. The thing that's not 100% clear to me is like what uh, prompt means. Like, do they mean that this is the only way that you're going to be allowed to do like these pop-up alerts or does a cell in our settings screen that says, please leave a review? Is that also a prompt? Like that seems kind of like a prompt to me, but I'm not sure what their language around prompt is, what their definition of it is. Yeah. I hope it's clarified because it'll obviously be interpreted broadly by app review. I guess I really hope that it like it develops more, that they, that there isn't just this comes now in 10.3 and that then it's just like left like this um, because there are some issues with it. I mean, I don't really like the idea of these of these pop-ups being the way that you ask for reviews at all, even if Apple are doing things to make sure that it doesn't happen too often um, and like trying to protect users in that way. And they have like a setting where a user can turn them off altogether. So I think they are solving like what's wrong with these prompts, but I don't think they have quite solved yet like what's wrong with like the other ways, like the other more subtle um, and like less obnoxious ways that people have been asking for reviews because like our where we have like our please leave a review at the moment and we've not on the show but we've talked about other places where we could be more subtle about asking for people for reviews but in that way you still get kicked out of the store and the users i mean excuse me kicked out to the store and the user still has to enter their password or whatever so you miss out on this nice flow but at least you know that it's guaranteed to work I wonder, is there some ways in the future where Apple could expand out this, like this secure rate limited thing where it could be used um, in other parts of the application as well? Yeah, because by centralizing it and having one API, that means it can be turned off globally. That's a good thing because, um, yeah, some people just get really offended by being asked for a review. And I'd way rather that those people could turn it off centrally and never see it than like them vindictively giving a one-star review it gives those people a way to just not see that alert at all the other thing as well about like that kind of backlash against those type of alerts was that people started coming up with like better ways to ask people for reviews that don't like make people complain about them like for example i don't think people really people don't complain about surely seeing a, a button in on the setting screen yeah i don't think they do um and i think there's other ways that couldn't be more subtle as well but now those like some of those more subtle ways, I guess, are a little bit more the future of those subtle ways is a little bit more up in the air now, because one interpretation of of this is that the only way that like that maybe that Apple will deprecate even that URL eventually. And like that, the only way that you're ever going to be able to ask for reviews uh, is through this um, through Apple's new API. And I just hope that if that does become the case, that there are other solutions other than this, like modal alert. Like, like one thing that I thought about was like, the, surely there could be a different type of UI like that, like something more like the way notifications work or something where it doesn't like completely block you from interacting with the app altogether until you like you have to deal with this before you ever do anything else. Um, like it, I think it could be not interesting, even if it came down in a notification style. 
you could keep using the app. Maybe it even stayed there a bit longer than a regular notification and you could either dismiss it and that's the same as just saying cancel or you could like tap the stars um, and do that. Um, but it's not saying to you, hey, do this like right now before you get to do whatever it is you were about to do. Because that what that's what really annoys me the most about those things is the modality of them and the fact that I clearly came to this app to do something very specific and I can't do that until I do this other thing that you're asking me to do. The notification idea seems really good to me. You should file that as a enhancement request radar. Actually I will do that and I'll link it in the show notes if anybody else thinks it's a good idea. Take a look at that and do it. There's one other thing I think they're trying to solve for and that is people game the system a little bit by popping up a dialogue asking for a rating. And then when the user chooses a rating, they decide whether or not to send them to the app store where they will. I, I guess the idea is that they do the rating again. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I never would. I would immediately know what happened and be like disgusted with them. But yeah, so the idea is you only send through to the app store the ratings that would be good anyway. And if it's like three stars or lower, you send them to a support page. I think there are kind of ways to do that so that you can direct support requests in the correct direction. Like it doesn't have to be manipulative, but often that's the point of it. They want to prevent any of the lower ratings getting through. So I think by having one standard dialogue, they get around that versus if they had like an API where they let us do our own style one and send the rating. There was a tweet from Or Jonesy, Ryan Jones, um, like predicting that essentially that people would do that same thing with this dialogue as well, where they would like mock up, create a fake one that looks exactly like it and then only present the real one if the person has done a good one, which clearly like if people do that, that's like the highest form of manipulation. Do like the ones where people are like, are you happy with the app or not? And then depending on which way you go, like they, it, there's a little bit of a gray area there for sure. <laughs> um, I'm not entirely against them completely <laughs> um yeah i think i i thought of this a little bit during the dash thing that like you can you'll have one set of expectations or opinions about it if you believe that the app store is mostly fair with its search results and ratings but for a lot of developers it's just like this is war we have to do everything we can everyone else is doing the like everyone else is doing the bad thing so if i don't do the bad thing i'm going to be left behind hmm. so if but since Apple is, you know, it looks like they're trying to improve things, I think we should definitely back away from any of those kinds of tactics. Yeah, I think my approach on this would definitely be to figure out the way that I think I would use these because people can turn them off if they don't like them. And I want to at least, I would be like to at least try them out. But I wouldn't like veer away from like completely dropping our own, like the other ways that we currently have of, of trying to get reviews, at least until Apple stops them from working. But so one of the things, I'm a bit confused about this. Once someone's rated it once, that's it. You can't, it won't come up again, right? It either will never come up again or it won't come up again that year. That's one thing that's a little bit not clear to me. I'm totally good with that. It's ridiculous that we ask people to review them again and again each version. But obviously the App Store search has to reflect that. So Yeah, yeah. But maybe they're saving that announcement for later on. They're saving that so they can get like a big cheer in person in Mos Moscone <laughs> in June. <laughs> in the like packed to the bleachers um, iTunes Connect session. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Anyway, it's a, it's a good thing. It's welcome. I, we will add it to Castro. So have you finished any of your damn side projects? <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing this. Do it. I um, Have I... I don't know when's the last time I finished a damn side project. I just about barely managed to finish my main project. Well, today's episode is brought to you by Finish Your Damn Side Project, an upcoming book from iOS developer Brian Gillum. The book is full of tips and advice aimed squarely at developers on managing your time, generating ideas, finding your motivation, and sharing your work with the world. If you're tired of your side projects just sitting on your hard drive, hidden from the world, check it out at finishyourdamnsideproject.com. The book is coming out this summer, but you can sign up for updates and Brian's weekly newsletter, The Monday Mailer, on his website, finishyourdamnsideproject.com. <laughs> I love the name of that project. Yeah, it's cool. I, it made me, when he got in touch, it made me think of us talking about the, like doing projects out of love. <laughs> um, now it's time for Bug of the Week. Our bug talk. We haven't actually, we haven't actually figured out what we're going to call this. But uh, yeah, if if you're sending an audio for uh, like a question like we asked you to earlier, uh, maybe you can also be a great musician and give us an audio segment, like a, a musical interlude for Bug of the Week slash Bug Talk slash Unnamed. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we should totally have musical interludes. OK, so we did this once before where one uh, maybe once or twice where like an interesting bug came up um, and we just talked through the details of it. I think it's kind of a cool thing to do. So you, ha- you found one this week um, to do with uh something animation we were seeing we've been seeing the effects of this bug for a long time but it's only finally this week that i like really got down to figure out exactly what was going on and managed to file a radar for it um so the way that the way that it started is that we noticed that like for the past while a bunch of the animations in castro were were dropping frames and i was not too pleased and every once in a while when we were on the phone chatting through things i'd be like here have you noticed that performance has been a bit dodgy on the animations i would immediately open castro and try to do like i think it was specifically when the transition was happening or like starting if i started dismissing the player but then brought it back and let it animate back up i could really see it then but anytime we talked about it it was fine it didn't happen yeah so then i kind of i kind of have convinced myself for a while that um that I was just going crazy. <laughs> oh, I just assumed like an iOS, a minor iOS update had fixed it or or we had done something else that had sorted it out. Yeah, I thought for a while that maybe like an, an update to iOS had like changed how some of like auto layout was happening or something. Um, and that like we were like laying, st- we were doing too much layout code uh, like during these transitions and it was like, that's what was dropping the frames. Yeah, but how did we, <laughs> we're leaving out one key part here of like, Oh yeah, the point the point was that it didn't happen when we were on the phone call because yeah. the double-eyed status bar miraculously just made every animation go like really smoothly. Yeah, so it there's a we have a bug that happens whenever there is no double-eyed status bar, which most bugs that are related to the double-eyed status bar are don't go in that direction, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, usually if I if my phone just always had a double eyed status bar, this app would work perfectly. <laughs> so so then we started thinking about like you, know, you were you're about to say we started thinking maybe it was an auto layout thing like that when the double eyed status bar was there, it was breaking some auto layout constraint, which meant the performance was working okay. 
Yeah, I'd, and I started diving in then to like look at some of our layout and like see when certain methods were getting called and stuff and couldn't spot anything immediately that was changing. Then it occurred to me that maybe there was something in like our custom transitions. So I disabled them and everything was fine. So I was like, okay, I'm narrowing in on it. Uh, we're getting it down. It's like something in our custom transitions. Okay, so because we have our own, we obviously have our own custom transitions in a few places, like the the back gesture angles the view controller as it moves off the screen yes very important details like that (laughs) (laughs) um so when i thought it was inside in our custom transition then i was like okay i'm going to i had it working like it was fine with just the standard ios transitions um to to help me track down what was wrong with our custom transitions i'd like downloaded a few other custom transitions from online um and realized that it was as soon as i used any of these custom transitions it was happening hmm so then I was like, okay, it was further out than that. And eventually, I re- and then I realized that it was actually in like the code that we were using to set up the transition context, where we set like how fast we want this transition to finish or to like it's completion speed, it's called. And if I just always set the completion speed to be like standard, if I never like changed it at all, then everything was fine. This is a very long way of saying I went like deeper and deeper down until it was like it's like then it was like this completion speed. And then I realized I had this thought that I'd like I so I just set up like a whole separate project that had nothing but like a, a view that got added to another view and was animated. And the layer of that view, if I changed the speed of the layer of that view, like this bug then would replicate would start happening again. But it's so crazy that if that's the issue that it does something different when there's a double height status bar. Oh, that's the that's the real like puzzle. Because I, I thought it would be I thought once we figured out what the issue was that it'd be like oh and that's why a double height status bar makes sense that it fixes it, but it still doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs> yeah, that's why it's so nice to like have it or not nice, but like at least it's comforting to like have it in this tiny just in this sample project that basically does nothing except has like this like ten lines of code to set this stuff up. So that radar is filed anyhow. Um, I should clarify, maybe, I guess, like the speed of a layer, because this is something I only learned about recently, like recently enough. But the, so the speed of a layer is not, I don't mean like the, like the duration of the transition. So you can, you can set a CA layer's speed. And then, so say if you, the default is one, which means animations all happen at normal speed. But if you set the speed of the layer to be, say, two, and then you do an animation, that includes that layer in it. And that animation was a second long. The speed of the layer is two. So therefore the animation is only going to take 0.5 seconds to complete. And that happens the other way as well. So if you set the speed to be 0.5, then that animation is going to take two seconds to complete. Um, huh, okay, interesting. So we were using that like on the transition so that like when you let go, it didn't just like snap back over. We wanted like to animate smoothly and like, well, like slowly back over to like its resting position. Um, but once the speed was gone below one, instead of it, the animation being smooth anymore, I think it basically just still had all the frames that it would have used if the speed was one, but it just like, held them for longer instead of like adding additional frames in between unless it was double light status bar then it was using like a totally different animation engine or some crazy <laughs> i'm still hung up on that <laughs> and you know, the other thing is was even if the status bar even if the status bar isn't visible this still happens 
Oh, but you're in a circumstance where there would be a double height one. Yeah. If it was, with, yeah. oh my God. If there's like, in theory, if there was a status bar here, it would be double height. Uh, so the whole animation <laughs> engine is doing something completely different. It's so weird. That's filed. And I guess I'll never actually figure out. We'll never know what the actual problem was, but hopefully it does get fixed sometime. Yeah. Oh, what was the workaround? The workaround was basically to just basically apply a factor to everything. So like make animations be like X times as long, but make the speed be X times faster as well. So they balances out so that like, so instead of saying that animation was going to be a second, now it says it's 10 seconds, but instead of it being one, it's like 10 times. Instead of the speed being one, you mean? Yeah. So the, so the actual time it takes like for the thing to complete is the same. And it means we don't ever have to go below one of speed. So everything works out okay. <laughs> That's cool. Uh, so we don't need it to be we don't need it to be fixed, but I'll be curious to see if it does get because it does get fixed in future. Yeah, no, that's a good bug. I'm glad that's filed. Um, and it's it just started happening in ten, right? iOS ten. Yeah, I tested it again recently on like the last version of nine that existed. I'm not sure what one was right, what it was right now, but yeah, it was fine on iOS nine. Now here's the bug talk outro music followed by. Podcast talk intro music. Okay, podcast talk. <laughs> Have you found any new podcast episodes this week? This sounds like an infomercial. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my the best episode I heard this week is uh, Solo Man is the name of the episode on the Unfictional podcast. There'll be a link in the show notes. Um, absolutely fascinating episode for me. Uh, anybody who's into travel or adventuring or even just interested about hearing about other people who are into those things highly recommend listening it's about a a turkish american by the name of erden eruch which i'm probably not pronouncing right but he basically set out he circumnavigated the globe uh solo so like completely on his own no support team and completely like powered by his own body so like no machinery no no anything so basically mostly he was he did a little bit of cycling and um, but mostly he was rowing for like five years <laughs> oh wow until the until he got back to the point where he started so the rules actually for a circumnavigation of the globe are that obviously you have to start and finish at the same place but also at some stage during this journey you need to pass through uh, like two antipodes so which are like places that are like the complete opposite side of the world from each other okay so you just need at one point in your journey you need to be somewhere that is the complete opposite side of the globe than where you were at one other point hmm. um so he did that and like he had like audio recording equipment and stuff with him so a lot of it is like him talking about how things are going when he when he's in his boat and stuff like that but um it, yeah it's fascinating it's really great I've been listening more to the Economist radio podcast. It's got pretty good recently. There's one in particular called Babbage, the Automation Game. It's from last week. And it's about, you probably could guess from automation, but about how robots will disrupt global industries and how they already have been and how technology changes how all this stuff works. I'm not explaining it very well, but they do explain it quite well. One of the things I liked about it is that uh, a lot of the time I hear this stuff talked about, it's in the context of AI and 
I can much more easily imagine robots building a car and like that already happens. Then I can imagine like, oh, does this computer truly have a soul? Like, I think it just, it grounds the conversation in a much more realistic thing that's happening now than some of the more like sci-fi sounding articles about this kind of stuff. They talked to a few people who study how technology has led to changes in society before and the things they're worried about. And yeah, 23 minutes, nice and short, but still like a, a deep enough discussion of it. So I recommend that podcast. Okay, that's it for this week of the Super Top Podcast. Um, so just a reminder, get in touch, send us an email, audio of you asking us any questions or making any comments that you'd like to hear us discuss on future episodes. Um, uh, tell a friend about the Super Top Podcast. <laughs> I was going to just do the whole thing. Um, sorry, okay. <laughs> All right, this is our smooth outro this time. Yeah, we um, also like to thank again... Uh, Drink Control app and finish your damn side project for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Um, we'll be back in a couple of weeks. We still have one sponsor slot open for the next episode and plenty more after that. So if you're interested in sponsoring a future episode of the show, just get in touch as well. The handiest way is to email support at supertop.co and put sponsorship in the subject line. Thanks for listening.